Welcome to Nano Community Tech, giving a uniting voice to technology enthusiasts everywhere. My guest today is Craig Bailey, who is the founder and technical director of Zen, which is an integrated digital strategy company that looks at research insights, SEO, social advertising, marketing automation, HubSpot, inbound, outbound, websites, and a whole lot more. They are a gold partner of HubSpot, and Craig also co-hosts a, uh, a podcast called HubShots, which is an Australian um, leading Hub, HubSpot podcast. So welcome to the show, Craig. Thanks, Sandeep. Pleasure to be here. All right, fantastic. Look, tell us a little bit more about Zen. I gave a quick introduction, but I'm sure there's a lot more depth than uh, than what I than the list that I just ran through. So please tell us a little bit more about Zen and your role in Zen. Yeah, sure. Well, um, we're a digital marketing agency, and as as you mentioned in the intro, uh, we have a bit of a focus on the technical side and HubSpots and marketing automation. That's our our interest there. Um, we typically work uh, in, with two sets of clients. So we work with B2B technology clients and we have a particular focus around uh, clients that are making an impact on society. It's perhaps something we can chat about later in the show if there's of interest. And then the second side of the business, we work on the whole renewable energy space, solar energy. We work with solar dealers who are focused on installing uh, good quality solar, high quality solar. So that's an important thing for Australia and, of course, the globe, uh, renewable energy. So, yeah, there are two sectors and we just help them. I, I kind of feel it's like we work with clients that we feel deserve to be successful in the market. So we like to help them get known and grow. That's fantastic. Look, as you know, uh, Nano Community Tech is a technology podcast, and we certainly are very interested to know way, 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 way more about uh, the marketing technology that goes into making um, positive engagement with your clients. And also, of course, from a holistic perspective, how the technology that you use is making the world a better place uh, from a marketing perspective. Um, I guess from a, a I, tell, tell us a little bit more of the kind of technology that you currently use to to to, to provide a, a superior service to your clients. Mm, yeah, well, it's a good question, and it's an interesting space. And and I'll, I'll maybe I'll go back a step and say I, I was before I got into marketing. I spent twenty years as a software engineer, so I, I love technology, uh, and I love uh, the impact it can make. And then I've. Uh, the last 10 years of my career have more been around marketing. So it's implementing technology in order to get marketing outcomes. Uh, but one of my core values is efficiency. So I love this idea of efficiency. And so it's perfect that technology unlocks that uh, for companies and marketing is no different. One of the things about marketing that I find really interesting is it's changing so rapidly. I guess everything's changing uh, depending on your perspective. But marketing especially is an area that's changing rapidly, uh, driven by technology and the different companies, even if you just look at social channels, uh, Facebook, and then what Google's doing. It's changing uh, quickly, and so you've got to stay up to date. But technology uh, through... Uh, I guess my perspective, my lens, I feel that technology is doing wonderful things uh, and allowing marketing uh, to reach people 
that can benefit from it. So depending on your view of marketing, and I'll go on off a little bit of a tangent, just pull me back if this goes too far, but marketing I feel is a good thing and sales I actually think is a good thing if you're connecting a useful solution to people who have a problem. So I, I see marketing as providing people they've got a problem and so you want to provide a solution to them. If technology can help you make that match efficiently, then that's a good thing in my book. Unfortunately, it gets abused. Uh, and as we know, there's all kinds of marketing concerns and tracking concerns that we'll be chatting about a little bit later. However, when we look at the technology um, that we use uh, with our, our clients, marketing automation is there. There's a whole lot of, uh, and I'll just talk broadly on topics at the moment. We can drill into them uh, as uh, if interest is there. But um AI and machine learning is getting a lot better at learning how to take large sets of data and apply it efficiently. I'll keep coming back to this word efficient, efficiently and matching people with the, the um, solutions they need. Um, on all the, all the channels that we use, advertising uh, and then following up with people, it'll automate a whole lot of that stuff. It'll match uh, audiences with messages, takes in a whole lot of inputs and crunches that and provides it. Uh, and then the other thing with the, the tools we have these days is just the ability to take communication pieces or content and just put it in a format that's easily consumable. And so combine that all together, I just think it's a wonderful um, time to have so many uh, platforms and options available, uh, both as marketers and also as consumers. So um, I, I'm picking up a few key, I guess, key, key words uh, that you've used, including uh, automation, uh, market automation, which I, I think would be really interesting and, and uh, I'd be very keen to get deep dive into that a bit more. And you talked about machine learning mm. being used there. Are you, can you, can you give us a, an example of how something like this uh, yeah. trans, you know, transpires in, in, in our everyday life? Mm. Or, um, would, would you find users um, interacting with this market, automated market, marketing? Yeah, well, maybe I'll give you a few simple examples of just marketing automation in, in place. So, and it is a bit of a buzzword. So, and you've got to stop me if I start <laughs> just throwing out the buzzwords. It's kind of. I'm a management consultant. <laughs> We've got a lot of them. So, get your bingo cards out. Yeah, it's kind of. That's right. So, yeah, I'll, I'll try not to um, throw too many out. But uh, the simplest case of marketing automation uh, combined with uh, machine learning might be if you've got a, a reasonable email list that you're sending email out and because you can tell when people open their email, you can then have some smarts that'll say, oh, I know this person typically opens their email at this time or on this day. So when it next gets sent out, rather than just a blast going out, we'll send it out. The, the system will learn, oh, we'll just send it out at this time. And then there's other pieces where they, they can actually look at the content that's in there and go, oh, well, we know these kind of people interact with this type of content versus uh, another type. So we'll switch it out on the fly. Mm -hmm. That's all based on data, knowing people's behaviours and just automating it. So that's not something that maybe you could do 10 years ago, last couple of years. It, I guess the functionality has been available, but now it's put in a much, uh, much easier to implement uh, fashion in, in a lot of the tools. So it just becomes quite simple now. So that's a simple example, uh, if that 
uh, makes sense. Um, do you want me to expand further on that or some other Oh, look, I, I think it, I can draw a lot of parallels mm. between what what you're saying and the kind of work that uh, that I get involved in, which is about automation of processes or activities. But it almost seems like there's a there's an element of decision making that's left to the system um, to uh, uh, to actually. Um, you, you know all the decisions that it has to make in terms of the the information and data that is collected uh, over time, and also over you know all the multiple sources of this information. So I feel like um, we're not just employing this sort of technology in performing activities and helping our you know our end users perform tasks more efficiently. I'm using your mm-hmm. word here. Um, but also in terms of the world of marketing. So in this, can you see this going forward as a uh, as a more a way more sophisticated engine where there's less and less hands on from from an experienced marketer? I, I, that's actually a good point. I'll, I'll make I'll I'll talk about the way, for example, a platform like Google Ads is going in a second because it's it's almost taking all the power out of the control of the mission yeah. market, but I'll just take a step back. One of the things about that automation piece and efficiency that's actually a good thing, uh, let's say that email example, is it can actually look at the data and say people don't respond to this type of email. So if I'm sending out a particular style of email, I won't send it to them. So this idea of, oh, they're not engaged with this. So it's actually a better experience. We're using marketing automation to make it a better experience for the end recipient. And so that's based on data as well. So hopefully the days of just blasting out newsletters to anyone and everyone are fast fading and it's much more targeted experience. That's what we want. We've all got too much email. And so email, I think, is the classic example, which is why we we pick on it. And the other thing about that, the experience we want, I, I, I don't know about you, but whenever I get an email from Amazon that's giving me an update or trying to well sell me things it's very it's very personalized to me it's actually a really good experience i don't feel like oh, i'm getting shown things that i'm not interested in and i think a lot of uh that kind of um newsletter is driven via algorithms it's all automated and it's doing all that decision for you as as you alluded to so that's um Perhaps a good thing in my book, and for others, maybe it's a creepy thing. How, do, how does how does Amazon know me so well? And should, is that something I should be fearful of? And there's, of course, privacy concerns and things to be wary of. Um, I think this day and age, it's quite. Uh, I guess it's almost become um, normal for us to to uh, trade our personal details for this sort of for products and for services and for personalized experiences because the uh, the way i see it i put things up on amazon and and you know the browsing history and the stuff that i look at and the stuff i purchase that's all personal mm-hmm. information that you that that the system uses to make decisions and it almost feels like and then same thing with facebook instagram and all the other i guess social media interactions that i have they are getting a a better and a more granular picture of me as I interact with the system. But I trade that. I, I actively trade my personal information so that I can continue using these things for free. I don't, no one actually gets into that sort of a transaction, but that's, the I, I, it is. I agree. And I think that's the right 
way to frame it. It's a value exchange. You're saying I get a certain amount of value or benefit from giving up this information about myself. And there's a trust factor. I trust Amazon with my details, uh, but maybe other channels I don't. So I think everyone's got that um, their own preferences. Unfortunately, when it's out there, it's kind of everyone can get access. Well, not everyone, but it's your data is sold and traded and things. So once it's out there, I guess there's no real way to rein it in. And and that's the part that I think concerns mm. a lot of people. But the rea- but the reality is that that's that's how uh, they keep things free and they keep providing you these services. So I guess my uh, my other um, question was around um, the I guess the the way in which um, information is currently being used or being um, uh, you know being collected. Um, given your experience in the marketing space, and this is, uh, uh, you know, I guess in a lot of ways a core part of the marketing service, can you give us a little bit of an insight of what you've seen to be advances in that area? Um, it, it's interesting that we're coming, at, we're actually coming out of an era, uh, it's almost a Wild West of marketing tracking where there's pixels everywhere, you're getting tracked on all your websites. What's happening is actually being reined back in. So we're, we're actually seeing the pendulum swinging the other way in, in, in a sense. And so all that data and tracking and pixels and all that, they're actually being uh, blocked in many ways now. And if you're across what's happening with um, the iPhone, iOS, the latest version 14.5 is actually starting to really push back on this tracking piece. Are you talking about cookies? cookies? Well, it's actually a tracking ID. So it mainly affects apps that you're using. And then that's whether that's shared with Facebook or other platforms, tracking in order for marketing to then target you. So, um, and we're also seeing legislation. I'll just, I'll just have a few different balls in the air here as I kind of discuss the topic and then I'll pull it together. But you've got, uh, technology providers like Apple trying to pull down and, and cut back on what gets tracked. Protect your privacy. They'll put it. They'll frame it around privacy. We're also seeing legislation in the last couple of years in um, the EU, for example, GDPR, and we're seeing in California that they've had a similar ex- um, uh, legislation around privacy and giving people access to their their personal information being kept by companies and requesting that to be cut off. And so that's impacting the platforms, marketing automation platforms, what you can do and requesting consent. And we've also, you've probably all had that frustrating experience with cookie prompts popping up on just about every website you visit. And of course, we're so blind to it now, we just click yes. But all of these things are actually Mm -hmm. changes that are happening in the marketing space, which is limiting the data we can get. So it's actually a pulling back, which I don't think, people maybe appreciate as much that kind of thing. It's getting worse. It's actually getting pulled back. And so as marketers, that actually means it's actually getting more difficult. And for technology providers or marketing automation providers, it's actually getting more difficult to target. And uh, even for Facebook, which uh, has been so effective as a, as a promotion channel, because you can get so targeted with the people that you want to speak to, that's actually getting uh, a bit more 
vaguer now. You can't get as targeted. So I think it's interesting that we're seeing this change. It's a change in the industry. Uh, it's in legislation. It's with different countries and regions of the world, and it's with technology providers. And in some ways, the golden age of marketing and tracking and being able to target people is coming to an end. And I think that's a, that's a, well, it's certainly making um, marketers like myself, our job harder. It's also making it harder for vendors and platform technology providers as well. And perhaps people are not, a, not as aware of that if you're just um, in the market. Uh, but yeah, that's certainly a change that we're seeing. But with uh, this sort of change, I'm sure the technology uh, will help. Help is probably not the right word, but the the technology will will equally evolve to make it to find different avenues to to keep promoting and keep keep uh, experiencing. I think so. In some ways, it's a it's a it's a game of whack a mole. As as soon as something gets blocked, something else will come up. So Google, for example, has done a lot of work. Uh, with making sure they can still track across all their assets. So the, um, I won't dive into it, but the, there's this idea of first-party and third-party cookies, and that's part of the tracking mechanism that browsers use, and Chrome's now phasing out uh, that as well. But they've got other ways that they can still get a sense of who you are. And so they there's now an expression in these providers talking about cohort analysis, this idea of lumping people into cohorts, you might not have targeted them on specific things such as an income demographic or a particular interest, but now around a cohort of interests or topics they're put into. So Google will still do well. Facebook will still do well. They'll get around it. The platform vendors will continue to um, evolve um, their feature set to, to be in line with that. It's definitely getting more difficult, but that's right. That's the continual um, progress of technology. So, I, yeah, I think it's interesting because, uh, you know, it's a constant push and pull with uh, with privacy and with, um, I guess, the, the advent of technology and what uh, users are currently um, willing to pass and not part with and, uh, what what they're willing willing to share and not share with. I think the um, I I'm often often seeing the uh, the channels or the, the the platforms or you know like the social media sites and so on actually try and um, uh, tr- try and put a wall wall between that. So you know we talked a little bit earlier about mm. entertainment and utility, and I think it's interesting because now you've gone to a point where i i'm not just entertained by youtube i actually use it to learn new things and possibly in my own craft and so on so based on that the uh i guess the tracking still happens in the background to say oh well and they'll continue to provide me great or good videos to watch um uh, endlessly (laughs) any thoughts on uh how the divide between entertainment and utility is being realized by the uh, I think that's an interesting perspective. And just to be clear, there's a difference between being tracked when you're logged into a platform versus when you're just visiting uh, and then being followed around on other platforms. So YouTube and TikTok, they're good examples where you're logged in and the algorithm learns what you like. 
And I think most people appreciate that. Uh, there's dangers, of course, and we've seen that in recent political campaigns around YouTube driving people down um, unsavoury paths based on their recommendation engine. So there's always dangers of it. But then on the flip side, there is, oh, I want to learn, so then I'll be shown something else that's relevant to me. When that's on the platform, I think that's uh, that's um, that's a good thing, and it's and it's getting better and better. Most people, especially in marketing, will use TikTok as an example of a company that's algorithm is so good it just knows what you want, and that's why people lose hours on TikTok. Just primarily around entertainment versus, um, say, education or utility. But the algorithm is really good. Now, getting back to your question though, around are there channels that particularly favour or push down a, whether it's utility versus education? I think we could probably say TikTok is more an entertainment um, uh, platform. However, that's changing as people use it to find other things. So there's definitely, there's actually marketers now there that kind of have their TikTok, TikTok um, um, following where they talk about um, providing value and education as opposed to entertainment, you know, the dances and things like that. YouTube is the perfect example which co covers all of those. Uh, you'll definitely get education and utility there. You'll get entertainment. You'll get or actually get live shows and, uh, you know, they're probably moving to sport and a whole other th uh, kind of thing. Again, driven by your preferences. And they're actually also now going down the, the path of exclusive releases so you will see some exclusive shows turn up on YouTube and um, as the content platforms become um, uh, more invested in providing content, you're seeing more and more of that. Interestingly, other channels, it'd be hard to say what Facebook focuses on, maybe more on connection, uh, but Twitter uh, is typically much more around the utility space and connecting with friends. So utility uh, I personally use Twitter a lot to learn and keep up to date with what's happening in the industry. I know there is a bit of entertainment there as well, but it's not uh, potentially the platform for that. LinkedIn is much more around connection and um, uh, education as well. But they do change over time, and I think that's interesting. And often that's driven just by um, the, the functionality that the platforms unlock. Um, stories, for example, we've all seen stories that seems to have now made it into every single platform. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's driven by usage <laughs> and they, they use data based on feedback. And it seems that the story format is working really well. Uh, that's something that Snapchat brought in into the market. And of course, all the platforms have adopted now. So I think that's interesting. Even we're seeing stories being utility and entertainment. So provided for both. Uh, utility can now just be a, a 10 second piece of video, whereas previously we might have thought of utility and education is really a, a longer format. No, it can be short format, snackable. People have short attention spans, so even for education uh, and those pieces, uh, short form works. And I guess when I reflect on um, the entertainment and utility value of these platforms, there comes a time at when these platforms are asking me to pay for more premium content or, you know, we'll get rid of the ads for you. Um, so I guess it seems as though there's a level of um, interaction that, that certainly these t 
what seems to have started uh, from a technological perspective, now they're becoming more uh, media uh, type uh, companies. I just think that um, we are coming to that age where we are now paying for, con we are now going back to, to, to start, you know, to, to begin that journey to pay for content. Um, yeah, I think that's a good that comment. That and let, let's actually talk about payments for a little bit because there's uh, some interesting uh, trends happening uh, across um, technology platforms. So first of all, um, sure, we can pay to remove ads. So that's one way of monetizing a platform. After, uh, well, advertising is one way to monetize a platform, but now people will pay to remove ads. I personally use uh, a paid YouTube uh, I forget what it's called, YouTube Red it was. I think they rebranded YouTube Premium. So I pay for that because I don't want ads. And I think there's a, that's a, a growing number of people. Uh, however, the new uh, development that I think is interesting is people paying for content even in a written form. So, uh, of course, people will pay for news, access to New York Times, Wall Street Journal or Washington Post or Sydney Morning Herald or whatever it is, they'll pay for access to news. So that's behind a paywall. But what we're actually now finding is that people have individuals will actually go and create their own newsletter list or their own paid following. Uh, there's platforms such as Substack and Patreon can talk about where individuals can go and create. They'll normally talk about being creators or makers, providing content, that will probably be utility, um, could be education, uh, sorry, could be entertainment, but it's probably utility, and people will pay for that content. And so the platforms, the technology is making this easier. Um, and do you want me to dive into maybe some of the, the actual platforms around that or just stay high level? Yeah, that would be good. And, and maybe if, if you can share with us um, you know, your, your experience mm. of, the tech, of using that technology or... How, how these users, how these content yeah. creators... I, the thing I find fascinating is that email will... It, it's Email never dies, right? Email's been around. Everyone talks about email's the bane of life. I get so much email. And yet email newsletters are a growing thing. So Substack, uh, which you may be familiar, it's a platform where anyone can just go and create their own newsletter and, if they, and then they can have followers and then they can make a premium tier where you can subscribe to get their premium newsletter content. So we're just talking about an email here. It is, it is kind of turns up to be, you know, a website or a bit of a blog kind of feel to it, but you're, you're essentially signing up with an email to receive a newsletter that has premium content. So I think that's really interesting. We're seeing this kind of micro payments in a way it's kind of, I'll just pay $10 a month for that newsletter or $10 for this one or $5 here to for me to actually choose the newsletters I want to get with premium content and I'm paying those creators uh, directly, well, through a platform like Substack, they take their cut, of course, but the the creator gets the most of it. That's a change. And if you're a, a well, a creator or a writer, or uh, the most successful ones so far have been, say, journalists. They used to work for uh, New York Times. They'll go and take their following off to a, their own platform uh, and run it through Substack or another, any of these platforms, and they have their own following, and they can make a lot of money. Uh, if you've got 100,000 followers and they're paying $10 a month, that's 
you know, can be quite significant. And so what we've seen is what, what I've, and coming back to my point about email, I think it's really interesting that this is email driven. So it's not as though there's a new format or a new um, channel. It's that we've gone back to email and monetizing it, but it's all about providing value. Mm. And so these platforms have been created to provide it. Now there's other platforms like Patreon where you can support people and get access to premium content. And it's very much an individual one-to-one basis. I'm buying content from, this particular person. Uh, and so we're seeing more of that. I think that's really interesting. Now that's still just at almost an individual basis, but if people are paying for that content, mm-hmm. it's changing the way they expect to be given content by brands, by companies. And so there's almost a change in the kind of content that, um, large companies will have to provide set by these initial trends from individual, uh, makers. So I think that's a really interesting trend and it's just, it's email. It's, it's, you can't, you can't escape it. Mm. Oh, it's quite fascinating that we're, we're back to emails again. And it seems as though um, there's, bound, there's bound to be a, a broader appeal than just a, an email newsletter. Cause I mean, we're, I personally am used to receiving lots of them in the inbox where I've just delete them and mass and i guess the the question i have in my mind is what could possibly be of a of of the premium nature that we've uh, we are now uh, gravitating to that I, I would imagine if i if i could make a guess it would be more around the um, content that you could use to actually do your work or some some incredible insights or some deep research that isn't quite available um, yeah, yeah, you're spot on. I mean, the there are some that are more of a uh, curation style, so they'll they'll be looking out across an industry and pull together content and give you the highlights. So that the value exchange there is, I'm saving you time, so I'm pulling together and putting a bit maybe my spin. Here's what's important. So um, would someone pay for that to save a whole lot of time? Yes, I would. And there's some newsletters that I actually pay to subscribe, um, especially in the marketing space, to get access to that. But the larger market is really around, and I'm I'm going to I'm only going to say this word once, but it's around thought leadership. Sandy, we're chatting earlier. It's a bit of a buzzword. I don't like using that term. The term <laughs> I prefer is is content leadership. It's around a thoughtful content that provides insight that is actionable. So as a reader of that newsletter, you can say, right, I've been, I've had my mind open to a concept or a new idea that's useful. Someone's done some deep thinking about it and they've alerted me to this concept, but also here's how I can take that and act on it in my business or whatever. That's valuable. And when you find people that provide that and you have enough respect for them, they can then say, well, I'm actually charging for you to get that now. And here's how you do it. You sign up. So I'll give you a few people that I follow. I don't know if you've heard of um, Ben Thompson and Stratechery at all. He's an industry commentator on no, technology. No. And uh, yeah, well, I, I pay for his newsletter. It's only $10 a month. He writes particularly insightfully across technology companies. Uh, another one is Benedict Evans who you may have heard of, but uh, he used to be an analyst at Andreessen Horowitz, venture uh, capital company, uh, providing insights into what's happening in the market. 
uh, in the technology space rather. Uh, I find his insights really useful. He, for example, was um, talking more than a year ago about what's the next big thing in technology. Because we had the we had laptop, uh, we had um, PC craze, then laptops, and then we had the mobile phone. It's like what next? And everyone's looking for the next technology. He's saying, well, you know what the next big thing is? It's actually legislation, which is kind of what we chatted about uh, a little earlier. It's it's around political change and, and government and policy change. So that's the next big thing. And that's, he was talking about that a year or two ago and we're only all just starting to appreciate that now. So that's insights that I find valuable. He'll also do some curation in his newsletter, just to talk about, you know, there's two examples. Um, that's valuable and I can act mm -hmm. on that. That can help me as a business owner prepare for the future and maybe adapt and take advantage of things. That's valuable, and I'll pay for that. And I think we're seeing more and more of that in the market. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. I think I wanted to just touch on that mm. legislation piece. Uh, I think the the push and pull between um, what uh, users are willing to um, you know give and what the legislation is and how the legislation is protecting the, the end user and, and ensuring that companies like Google, Facebook and other large media companies uh, don't get the monopoly that they, um, that they are after. I just think that, you know, can you see legislation being hindering even more um, the, I guess from from the efforts of a of a marketer, uh, does does the legislation? Do you watch the legislation closely enough? I guess that's where my question is, and and adapt your ways uh, and change your ways accordingly. So yes, yes, and no. I think in some ways, whole legislation. So GDPR, when it rolled out, had a whole bunch of requirements for businesses to impact. So. Uh, yes, business have to put that in place. And yes, if uh, even that's that's an EU piece, if we have clients in the EU, we've got to be mindful of that. So yes, that's an overhead and a hassle that we have to put in place. I interestingly enough, or perhaps unfortunately, um, the big companies could have budgets to cater for that and understand it put in place. It's a lot of the small businesses that were caught. Oh, there's extra compliance that they have to do. So that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, however, the, the, the thing that I, th I think is interesting in terms of um, what a business should be doing, whether, you know, the companies that we work with, if you look at some of this legislation, let's just look at the recent example in Australia where the Australian government was trying to put in legislation and this media bargaining code uh, to make Facebook and Google pay for content being on their platform. So never mind all the politics of and who was getting what and whether Murdoch was benefiting and all that. What happened was Facebook, one, their response was, oh, we're actually just going to remove the news feed for Australia, right? So whether you think that's right or wrong is not the point. Mm. The point is, as a, if you were a small business, you were affected. So straight away it's like, wow, I thought I had a channel on Facebook. I'm not doing anything controversial. I'm actually providing a service. Uh, and as we saw, there were emergency services and things all affected, suddenly lost their page um, updates from appearing in Facebook. So that's actually a change that businesses have to go, oh, Facebook, I don't own my Facebook, um, 
reach, Facebook does. So and they can change at any point in time. So what does this mean for business owners and their use of technology? It's actually coming back to more what do they own? What part of the relationship do they own with their customers or their followers? And so they've got to be thinking about how do I adapt to that? Now, the the simple, well, the simple answer, it's obviously a complex question, but part of the simple answer is just I've actually got to directly control it, that relationship. And what do you know? That comes back to email is one of the easiest ways to do. If I have an email list where I'm communicating, I at least own that. Uh, well, I guess your, your email platform could decide to kick you off as well, but let's you know, there's no, there's no guarantees, but that's a change in the whole business strategy based on that. And in marketing, we have this expression of don't build your house on rented land, Facebook being the rented land you build a house on and then you find it swept away. And that's, that's possible across all the channels. So definitely legislation. There's an example of legislation, um, being trying to be implemented and a response from technology companies or a social platform that affected a whole lot of businesses and so they were forced to change so when those things are all at play i think there's it's very important for businesses to be thinking about their technology stack and their technology channels that they're using in order to make sure they're not um, caught out when those things happen and more of them will happen definitely a very interesting insight into the uh, modern world of marketing we look forward to the next chat until then stay safe my friends